You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. This is your host, Father Kyle Metzger, in studio with my co-host, Roxanne Solonen. We've in our final segment here, you know, we, we, we preceded this with a number of great conversations, people calling in by phone. We heard from Carlo Broussard. He uh, is a, an apologist with Catholic Answers. He's going to be the speaker at the, uh, the Real Presence Radio Banquet uh, in Fargo this coming Monday. A very intelligent man uh, spoke very eloquently about how we can defend the faith, articulate maybe some of the more challenging doctrines to fellow Catholics or non-Catholics alike. We've heard from uh, Beverly Everett. She was the conductor at the Bismarck Mandan Symphony. They've got some concerts coming up, Roxanne. Aren't we all anxious to gather in greater numbers, hear beautiful music again? So there are concerts coming up uh, in Bismarck and Bemidji, so you can look into that uh, if you'd like some beautiful music. And we just uh, got off the phone with Mike Hegstrom. He is the Diocesan Director of Catholic Schools in Fargo. It's Catholic Schools Week. You've got kids in the in the schools. Uh, a fun week for them, huh? Yeah, I heard my one of my sons like playing something on the piano, which I hadn't heard our piano for a while because they, they're not taking lessons right now. And said something about a variety show, but I guess he stepped back from the performance level. And from what I heard, he's going to be helping with the production of the show. So he wants to be behind the stage, not on the stage, huh? Yeah, that's right. Oh goodness, a variety show. I'm sure if. Uh, You've got students in Catholic schools out there. They've, they've probably had some uh, crazy costumes or whatever that they're wearing this week. A lot of fun activities in the, uh, for National Catholic Schools Week this week. Well, um, Roxanne, uh, before the show we were talking, you had a couple of interesting, maybe uh, controversial things that you've heard coming up uh, as of late. What's, uh, what's on your mind? What's on your heart? Well, as everyone knows, in North Dakota, it's our the year of our legislature meeting, and um, and that doesn't happen every year. Um, so there's a lot of issues coming to the forefront, and one of the ones that Bishop Folda had brought to our attention several weeks ago and had had everyone um, become aware of was uh, Senate Bill 2180, which um, was going was a threat to uh, the sacrament of confession, really. Um, so. That, that they vigorously, uh, the North Dakota Catholic Conference um, and people throughout this state, uh, people of faith, which, of course, it doesn't affect when, when, when one of our religious liberties is removed, because it would have really kind of dismantled, the way I see it, the sacrament of confession, because it would have required um, priests to break the seal of confession. And so, but I think there's still some confusion out there. We, we um, the, the victory happened. Um, there was enough voices to to cause a withdrawal of that. And so thankfully that did not go forward, but the fact that it came forward at all, I just think there's still a lot of confusion. Um, I wrote a column about it for the forum in my living faith column. And, and already there was a, a fellow columnist came back and, and um, basically said that Catholics won the liberty to protect child abusers. And so I think it's important that we kind of dive into that a little bit more. And as a priest, you probably have a little bit more insight to help articulate what is confession? What's the seal of confession? Why, why was it, uh, why was it really um, threatened, and especially for the people that believe that this is a victory for people who want to hide child abusers? I, I think that's important to kind of get that out there and explore a little bit. Yeah, it's so true, and uh, thank you for putting it so uh, so clearly. It's it's very complicated and complex. Admittedly, you've got legal issues going on. 
you've got uh, spiritual issues going on, you've got sacramental issues going on. Um, and so, the, and all of these kind of came to a confluence that, you know, depending upon which of those you, um, you kind of uh, promote is going to kind of color your understanding of what happened. So it's worth maybe wading into the controversial waters a little bit to understand what goes on. But at the outset, I think it's important to note that thankfully this bill was withdrawn. So it is not a threat um, anymore, or at least at this point now, who knows if it'll come back. But the, uh, the, the bill, um, it was presented for consideration to the North Dakota legislature, and um, it received a lot of pushback from different uh, people. And so those who proposed the bill withdrew it. Right. And also, it wasn't just uh, North Dakota that was keenly interested, but right. the um, the Catholic League, which is one of the, um, well, it's the largest Catholic civil liberties um, organization, was was jumped right into that because they immediately saw the red flags. Um, and, and, you know, Catholic News Agency and all those, you know, uh, Catholic uh, National Catholic Register has covered it. So it isn't just um, North Dakota, although, you know, I it mean, would have had had ramifications. You know, mm -hmm. this this type of thing, and we'll explain what was proposed here shortly, has been proposed in a couple of other states, and it's mm -hmm. always failed on religious liberty grounds, the First Amendment protections. It would cause major complications to that, and so it's always failed, but it was rather provocative that something like that would be proposed in, in Humble, you know, North Dakota. Um, and what if it did pass, the signal that that would offer to other states to take similar approaches. So this is what was at stake. In North Dakota, there is um, a mandatory reporter law that certain individuals, if they find out about child abuse, they are mandated reporters that they must turn over that information um, to the state. So for example, school teachers. I was a school teacher. We were trained in that, that, you know, you're working with kids. If, if ever, if a kid ever makes a comment or you hear, you know, other things through parent teacher conferences that, that uh, one of your students is being abused, you have to call social services. You, the, the, you, you, uh, you, uh, you can't take risks in that. You have a very privileged position with those kids to find out that information. If you don't, you, there are legal consequences, fines, jail time, that sort of thing. So I, I, I was very aware of those as, as teachers. And there are others in that category, child care providers. So um, clergy were, in, uh, were on that mandated reporter list. So as a priest, if you know, I find out this information, I need to report that to protect the child. Now, there was an exception, a very narrow exception that if a priest finds out that information in spiritual advising capacity, he is not mandated to report that. And as Catholics, that would be the sacrament of confession. You know, they use the language very broadly because they can't specify confession because then they would be privileging Catholics. And so they, they craft it that the, the spiritual advising of a Protestant, they don't have the sacrament of confession, but they could have something analogous to that. So they couldn't specify confession that would overly privilege Catholics. So the, the language was uh, in spiritual advising. Now, for us, that's the sacrament of confession. And so they, what the, the law, the bill wanted to strike out that exception. 
So a priest under any circumstances, if he finds that out, he would need to report that. Now, normally I would. If I'm teaching at a school and I hear that, I have to report that still right now. But if it's in the sacrament of confession, that's a totally different scenario. Um, and our understanding, our theology of that sacrament is what you learn in the confessional, mortal, venial, anything, is under the seal. It is inviolable. I cannot disclose that to anybody under any circumstances, even after the individual has died. I can't disclose that information. And this bill proposed to strike out that exception. So if I were to um, find out that sin in the confessional, I would have to violate that seal and, uh, and turn that, that individual over to authority. Can you explain why the seal of confession so that we understand that part of it? What, what purpose does it serve? I mean, Great. Yeah. Um, the seal of confession, which has always existed for the sacrament of confession, our theology, you've got kind of a, a, a theological, a spiritual thing and a very practical thing. And the spiritual thing is the priest is acting in persona Christi. The priest is acting as the person of Christ. At the end of the confession and absolution, I say, I absolve you from your sins, but the I is not Father Masker, it's I, Jesus Christ. So it's in persona Christi. So our theology of sacraments is that the person is having an encounter of Christ. I'm merely the instrument that Christ is working through, but he's having an encounter with Christ. And so far be it from me to really um, to override that and use the information for some other purposes, even legally. I can't do that. And so the person, the sacrament uh, uh, provides the, the, the penitent the opportunity to go to Jesus Christ, to be right with Jesus Christ. And if that, the practical aspect of it is then you want to give the individual the greatest of confidence that he can go to God with transparency through me, but he's going to God with absolute confidence that this is an encounter that he can be right with God. And the seal of confession provided the domain that he knows I can be totally transparent and honest with God uh, and apologize to God with great clarity um, without um, any reservations. And so the seal of confession provides that arena for the person to be honest with God. And logically, and I think this is something that we have to think about, is if that were removed, right? you know, notwithstanding the issues that would cause priests who would end up being jailed for if they didn't, you know, by abiding by Jesus Christ as, as opposed to the world, um, no one... In, in those situations would even come forward anyway. Right. Then, I mean... You have slippery slope arguments where uh, we'll craft the exception for this sin because it's particularly heinous. But then what's next? Okay, then murder. We're going to create crafts for murder because that's also quite, quite despicable. But then slowly into other arenas, you know, find out somebody's into drugs. Okay. You're going to turn them over, you know, for mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, lying and cheating. I find out the students are cheating on the test. Do I go to the teachers now? 
Okay, so you got slippery slope arguments. So yes, of course, we're all in agreement. This is a this is a particularly heinous crime. We really want to root it out um, with as with as much fervor as possible. But if you craft an exception here, where's the slippery slope that you're that you're going to uh, go elsewhere? But then the second thing is the ramifications where if people hear, and again, we're getting far from the theology now. Now mm-hmm. we're getting into practicals, but if people might not like know it would be this one exception. And so like it would, it would erode the sacrament that the priest can't disclose your sins under most circumstances. The, 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 the ripple effect, the shock wave that that would send through the laity of, I'm not sure if I can be honest with the priest because I don't know what he's going to do with this information. I mean, the whole confidence of the sacrament would be totally destroyed. And so that's why canon law in all of our history has always had the highest threshold and the greatest of penalties to priests if they violate that, the shockwave that would be sent through the laity if we started crafting exceptions to that. The integrity of the sacrament would be demolished. Absolutely, absolutely. And here's here's the important point, Roxanne, because then you get into kind of the the, the more challenging things of that, why shouldn't we disclose this information, is that the sacrament is to protect the, the, the seal is to protect the penitent, okay? It's not particularly to protect the priest from like legal consequences. The point of the the seal is to protect the person to be able to go to God. And so this, uh, we're, uh, <laughs> quite frankly, I think most priests would be willing to go to jail. You mm-hmm. know, if this mm-hmm. law were to go, to, it would not change a priest's practice, you know? And mm-hmm. I, I would speak personally, uh, find me what you want, uh, handcuff me. I'm not violating. Put me on, 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 the, in, uh, on the hot seat. I will not disclose it. Priests are that committed. But it's to, it's to protect the, the, the faithful to be able to, 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 go, to uh, go to the confessional. But I had a Catholic friend on Facebook say, I, I just don't feel right about this. I feel like they need to be punished. And this does seem kind of fuzzy here. And I feel like what and, do you say to that? And that's the rub. There's no doubt. This is where we get in. It, it's, it's very <sighs> touchy that if a priest were to, to hear that sin, to not disclose that, for some people, that, it's like, oh my goodness, that is... A cover-up. That's cover. It's covering up. Um, the church is anxious for the salvation of every sinner. God created every soul destined for heaven. And he wants every soul in heaven, even the most notorious of sinners, uh, Judas, Hitler, uh, fill in the blank. The Lord died, suffered and died for those people too. And so even people that have committed the most uh, despicable of crimes the church labors for them. You know, Jesus kind of speaks in the categories of um, prostitutes and tax collectors. Those were the despicable people at the time of Jesus. If you kind of had to update the language, I would put child molesters in that category. Okay? Tax collectors, prostitutes, and child abusers. Jesus Christ, like, wants them in heaven. Um, 
uh, via their conversion, repent and believe in the gospel. And so the seal provides the confidence that even if you have these sins too, the Lord still loves you and the Lord still wants your conversion, your repentance, and wants your, your, your sainthood in heaven. And so to offer an exception to say, you are no longer worthy of God's grace, that is heresy. And I think the other thing is there's a place for civil matters and for punishment, and that's in the civil arena. Mm -hmm. But then there's this other arena that is, you know, sacred. And and that's part of the problem. I think we don't understand those differences. (laughs) And two, yeah, you're putting the position in the priest of being the police officer, um, that's not why I'm here. It's like a mother who finds out that her child is, is smoking marijuana. Like she is in a position to help her son. Okay. The law enforcement will do their job, but I am not the police. I am there. My uh, purpose is to help the person be right with God. And so don't co- uh, don't co-opt that and turn me into the law officer. Uh, we have people who that's their responsibility. My task as a priest is to help that soul go to God. And, and, and it, an additional point on this um, issue that Bishop Fulda was very clear on in his, um, in his letter to the diocese is that we never crafted an exception for lawyers. People were never requesting, you know, if a person goes to a lawyer and says, I've had this, how can, how can you help me in this? That lawyer cannot turn him over. And we realized, like, for good reason, if, uh, if, if that relationship, that privileged relationship was violated, it would send a shockwave through the court system. Okay. And so we, we understand like lawyers need to have uh, that privileged access to information. People could be honest with their lawyer to get a fair trial. How much more important is the salvation of the soul than the civil freedom of a person? So if we craft that exception for lawyers to help the legal uh, thing, uh, legal field all uh, happen uh, properly, the soul is so much more important. So we need to provide the, the freedom in the spiritual realm for that person to be right with, not with the law, but with God. You're right that it's a complex situation, it's but complex. thank you for wading <laughs> into that with me. I think it's so important that people understand and can articulate it. And a- thanks be to God, our prayers were answered. Yes. We dodged a bullet and we're not going to have to face that, but um, we're always vigilant that other things could come up in the future. And I think one of the good things is that we can talk about it and explore it and understand it better. We just had a really engaging, important dis- discussion about this issue. So, you know what I mean? We need to understand yeah. it and wrap our brains around it. So that's that provided that opportunity. Well, thanks for asking the question, Roxanne. We probably had some listeners who were curious about that. We need to take a quick break here and we will uh, be right back with Real Presence Live. This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Rose Management is a family-owned business that believes in good morals, doing the right thing, and treating our residents as family. Rose Management provides affordable housing to complexes throughout North Dakota and Minnesota. All Rose Management properties and our maintenance staff are in a centralized location in their cities. If you have any questions, you can call 701-237-6840 or online at rosemanagement.net. Again, that number is 701-237-6840. 
SJ Machine, proudly named after and dedicated to St. Joseph, provides quality machining and induction heat treating to a variety of industries. Just as St. Joseph worked diligently to meet his family's needs, SJ Machine strives to understand and meet your production needs. Prototype to production, working together towards success. SJ Machine can be reached at 701-347-0155 and are a proud supporter of the Real Presence Radio Network. God's blessings to all of you. My name is Father Chad Wilhelm, and I'm a priest of the Diocese of Fargo. And this year, I celebrate 25 years of being a priest. And the joy, the great things that I love about the priesthood is the deep relationship that Jesus and I have as speaking heart to heart. He knows the depths of my heart, and he speaks to all of us in the depths of our heart. That's what I enjoy about being a priest, that I get to speak about Jesus, not just on Sundays, but every day of my life, and that I've given my life to Jesus and the church. What a wonderful grace and a gift that has been for me for 25 years, and to serve the good people of the Diocese of Fargo, but just to serve the church as a whole. May God continue to bless all of you as you listen to Real Presence Radio. This is Real Presence Live on the RPR Network, bringing you stories of faith and hope through local hosts and guests from across the Upper Midwest. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to our last portion of Real Presence Live. It has been a, a joy and privilege um, to, to be with you today in your car, in your place of work, in your living room, wherever you are. So thank you for uh, inviting us in. Um, we have just a few more minutes here at the end of the show to, to talk about whatever we wish. So um, since it's kind of a musical theme, we, we have something in mind that we wanted to discuss. Um, in December of this last year, 2020, uh, the USCCB, the Catholic bishops uh, in the United States, put out a guide for music that's proper to the liturgy. And uh, there are a few things in here that were kind of a surprise and, and something to, to think about that maybe uh, not everyone would read this document. But Father, what are some of the what are some of the uh, things that have been called to our attention as far as um, music in the liturgy and it's interesting because we're just kind of starting to reclaim the liturgical music so what what do we need to keep in mind what have we kind of missed along the way what were some of the clarifications that are being brought to our attention right now yeah the the, the, there's about 250 bishops 300 uh in the united states and they you know produce different documents of a different guidance insight on, on on pressing issues um in the church in the past couple of months, they've wrote and written a lot about elections and voting and, and how does a Catholic approach that of guidance. And one unexpected one, quite frankly, but uh, a very kind of very lucid, very clear, very helpful document that they released um, in December was offering guidance to like um, uh, ministers of sacred music in parishes about properly selecting music for the liturgy, selecting music for the, the mass. And they particularly honed in on on the lyrics of hymns. That um, uh, when we speak about um, sacred things at mass, the lyrics are significant, um, and, uh, and and there there's theology in lyrics. And so there are some hymns that are particularly good at this about in very poetic terms speaking about the truths of the faith. 
But then they did call out certain hymns where the lyrics, although beautiful as they might be, are inaccurate, proper to our theology. And they actually like, they named names. <laughs> they called them out, which is very uncharacteristic. But uh, they offered some guidance, therefore, of what are some common problems? What are some common themes that, uh, that we should really try to be more precise about in the lyrics of the hymns that we use at Mass? So... I wonder if we can't just call out some of those. <laughs> Do you want to write that? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a music you Yeah, know, music you, you canter at Mass. Yeah. Um, and, you know, actually, I was kind of looking through this last night, and, and, and a lot of them, thankfully, I'm like, I don't know that song. <laughs> but, the, but there's a few that, that I'm like, oh, yeah, all are welcome. That, that's all are welcome in this place. Um, but, you know, again, it's not maybe the whole song, but, but just pieces of it. Are, You're right. Are, so it, it, they, they, they offered like six areas that are oftentimes problematic. Okay. And that hymn falls under the ones in um, the present, the, the deficiencies in the presentation of the Eucharist. Okay. So there are many hymns that we have about the Eucharist. When we speak about the Eucharist, we have to speak in a certain way, okay? Um, when do you use bread and wine versus flesh and blood or body and blood? Like, you have to use them properly. Um, and, and that's probably the one that they focus most on just because there are so many Eucharistic hymns. So like that, the, the hymn, All Are Welcome, the text of that, uh, one of the verses says, let us build a house where love is found in water, wine, and wheat. I think that's the very first line, mm -hmm, isn't mm -hmm. it? Let us build a house where love is found in water, wine, and wheat. Well, one problem they highlighted is why is water included in that? Like it, as equivalent to wheat, which would be the bread, and wine, which would be the blood. Why is water included in that? So it seems like an aberration. So here's, here's my thinking as someone who's written some poetry and, and writes, um, I would say that uh, as a writer, things come in three. And so as you're writing these right. lyrics, you think, oh, I need one more. So I'm going to add yeah. that. Um, so it really made me think about, okay, who who wrote these songs? And yeah. it, you almost, I, I thought, I, I wonder, you know, if there should be <laughs> a committee to kind of, kind of go through some of those things yeah. before we start singing them and becoming uh, endeared to them. You yeah. Know what I mean? Well, see, that's the tension there, Roxanne, mm -hmm. is that you have beauty, which mm -hmm. is in poetry, which is mm -hmm. in art, mm -hmm. um, and truth coming together. Poetry, which is lyrics, and you're dealing with like rhyming words, um, a meter of syllables to coming together with the truth of the faith. And sometimes that's really hard, yeah. isn't it? And you're, you, you've written too. I know. Right? So, it's so, yeah. so you have to get the craft, the certain mm -hmm. words in a certain style and certain rhyming words, um, but it has to be truthful. And that's mm -hmm. the tension. And so mm -hmm. if you need two syllables, let's add in water and then it fits. It does now in beauty, but not in truth. And so mm -hmm. that's the tension. And the church has always been in that tension, you know, with, with, architecture how do you craft a beautiful building that's proper to our worship but doesn't look goofy and if you're if you're an artist how do you craft uh, des, uh, um, design a statue that's very beautiful and has symbolism but um, speaks to the truth of that person's life so that has always been the tension in art is how do you make something beautiful and true at the same time and 
And this document has kind of called out some that these songs are beautiful in their lyrical style, but they're not accurately truthful. And, and, and if it isn't, it might be fine to sing with the family at home, but not in the sacred liturgy. <laughs> but maybe not with the family at home either if we're trying to teach, you know, That's in this true. world that it's so right. hard. We're in a, again, I keep bringing it up, but post-Christian culture, we have to articulate things very clearly. Words are important and words are being muddled. And so we do have to pay attention to this. Um, and to that point, Roxanne, um, too, is there was one day in seminary where like maybe a, an hour or two after the morning mass, like the, the closing hymn was stuck in my head and I was kind of humming it in the hallways. And one of the priests was walking past. I said, oh, this is so irritating. Like I still have the closing hymn stuck in my head. And the priest just kind of looked at me quizzically and he goes, that's kind of the point. Well, <laughs> and so if you are humming this, these lyrics in your mm-hmm. head and you're playing that tape over and over again, mm-hmm. let's hope that that line of the hymn is accurate. And Maestro Beverly even spoke to that, that yeah. they try to but intentionally leave people with that, with the resounding. Yeah, yeah it's, it's made me feel like I don't know that I would ever want to dip into uh, liturgical poetry, even though right. I, I can see that. It's a minefield. <laughs> oh man, I, I do not want to. <laughs> so um, what the, the, of the six things they said, one is we have to speak clearly about the Eucharistic doctrine, mm-hmm. many hymns in that. Um, the second thing is when we speak of the Trinity, it needs to be accurate. And many hymns, like the last verse, is a Trinitarian, we call it the doxology. And so speaking of that, like poet poetically, you got to make sure that we don't use like God and then Son and Spirit as if like, well, isn't the Spirit and the Son God also? But instead of using, they avoid the word Father and they just say God. Well, but the Spirit and the Son are also gone. Right. So uh, complications with the Trinity. The second is God's relationship to humans. So how does God interact mm-hmm. with us? Sometimes hymns have kind of a very pagan view of that. Mm-hmm. Um, um, doctrinally incorrect things about the Jewish people, of mm-hmm. like blaming them for the, mm-hmm. the death of Christ. We have to avoid that. And then like, how do we speak of human persons? Are we just like souls who are trapped in bodies, Mm -hmm. which is a very kind of pagan view of the human person rather than like um, temples of the Holy Spirit, you know? So how we speak of that, uh, we have to be careful about how we craft that into hymns. Interesting, interesting and and food for thought as we uh, get ready to start singing more vibrantly again, hopefully. So So when the music comes back, we might have some hymns that (laughs) we might not hear anymore. (laughs) That's right. All right. Well, Roxanne, unfortunately, we are running up against the clock. So I want to turn it over to Therese, who's going to kind of uh, share with us what we've got on, on the docket for tomorrow. Yep. So on the next Real Presence Live, Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central, host Monsignor Patrick Schumacher will be coming to you live from Corpus Christi Church in Bismarck. Brian and Tammy Lardy will be on to talk about their call to serve the church. And Steve Ray is back to discuss the creed and what we believe about God the Father. All that and much more is coming up on the next Real Presence Live. And that's Thursday from 9 to 11 a.m. Central. Back to you. Thank you, Therese. Looks like you got a great show on. You can tune, uh, tune in again tomorrow. Doing anything out of the ordinary this weekend, Roxanne? This weekend? Oh, my. That's... Uh, okay. I have Too to, far away. <laughs> no, I have to tell you something. I'm still just... 
I'm still taking away, um, I'm still dismantling my Christmas stuff. I, I know, I know. Uh-huh. It was supposed to be done at least by February 2nd. <laughs> yeah. I, I have, I go in stages. I kind of, you know, so there's like some boxes. I got to get that. I got to get that cleared out. And yeah. then I'm looking forward to, I'm going to be at the Real Presence um, Banquet on Monday and I'm excited. I have a friend coming in from Bismarck who's going to join me and our table and I'm just excited for that. So. so it's not like spring cleaning. You're doing like still winter cleaning, Christmas cleaning. You know, um, my, my kids and husband were kind of saying something like, why isn't that, you know, why isn't that gone yet? And I, I was like, <laughs> help yourself. Like, yeah. uh, go ahead. Find a box, start, you know. So anyway. That's great. That's great. Well, it's always a pleasure to host with you, Roxanne. And uh, I hope uh, next time we're on, that's all put away, you know. Yeah, yeah. If not, if not, I'm coming. I'm coming after your kids in in class. It'll be a Lenten commitment for me. I'll make sure. <laughs> yeah. Well, we want to thank all the listeners for tuning into Real Presence Live. This is Father Kyle Metzger along with Roxanne Solonin. It's been a delight to be with you here this morning. You guys have a, a wonderful rest of the morning and afternoon, and we'll see you tomorrow.